Welcome to Sovereign Self, weaving spiritual awakening with the fabric of everyday life. Your host is Zofia Renea Morales. We'll discuss and show you how you can achieve the highest potential in your life through divine wisdom and really live. Now, here is your host, Zofia Renea Morales. Welcome back to another episode of Sovereign Self. This is your host, Sophia Renea Morales, and I am here today with Michelle Steiner, and I will introduce her in just a moment, but we will be discussing how it all works out in the end. Before we swing into that topic, though, I would like to ask you, do you know what is your number one spiritual superpower? And some people might be set back by that a little bit. It's like, what, me? Superpower? You've got to be kidding. Uh, but the truth of the matter is we are all sent to this world with specific gifts. We've been blessed with specific gifts uh, that help us to move through this world in a, a brilliant and aligned way that are here to support your mission in this world. And a lot of times it's hard for us to recognize our own unless someone holds up a mirror so we can see it. And that's why I created the superpower quiz. And so, as you know, I frequently ask you to grab a pen and grab a piece of paper. Here's your moment to do that and uh, write down this URL, superpowerquiz.us, and take 60 seconds to go through the quiz, answer a couple of simple questions, and get the answer to what is your number one spiritual superpower. That's superpowerquiz.us. And so with that out of the way, I would like to introduce our guest, Michelle. Michelle Steiner is a disability writer, advocate, and paraeducator. She published articles on The Mighty, The Nonverbal Learning Project, Discalculation, Julia blog, <laughs> The Reluctant Spoonie, Imagine the World as One Magazine, and Word, word Gathering. That's word, not world, word. <laughs> Recently, she began a blog called Michelle's Mission. Her photographs have been featured in Word Gathering, Independent, and Work Ready. She works as a paraeducator in a school with students with disabilities. She lives in the United States with her husband and two cats. Welcome, Michelle. I'm so happy to have you here with me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. I certainly appreciate it. Excellent. So the place I love to start, especially with a new guest, is what was life like before you figured all this out, before you found your mission as a paraeducator and and recognized it as part of your spiritual calling in this world? Well, it was a really hard place for me um, before a lot of the things uh, came together. I can remember I was diagnosed with a learning disability whenever I was in kindergarten. And just being with that early diagnosis, I can remember being really frustrated in school. I remember very little of my life before that because it happened very young. Yeah. And I, I can just remember, even as from being a young child, I thought, well, everything is going to be really hard and it's not going to get better. And yeah. So, well, okay. So around that topic, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what did, what specifically did they tell you? What were you not going to be able to do? What were the expectations that the doctors and the people in the white coats set for you? Right. Well, as a young child, they didn't have a specific diagnosis. It was more of an umbrella term. Okay. So they knew I wasn't going to be a mathematician, but they were right about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but I'm sure they they said that, that they were going to be right about a bunch of other stuff. And I have a feeling they were wrong. <laughs> so what was some of that other stuff? Uh, some of the other stuff that came up uh, when I went throughout school was that I couldn't do things like handle college or I wasn't capable of a lot of uh, learning outside of that or being uh, doing a lot of that. I can remember I had a learning support teacher that said, hey, I know you want to go to college, but I don't think you can handle it. You never made it out of learning support math. Um, I don't think you can go to college. And I thought, well, why don't we have you go to vocational school? And I thought, I don't really want to go there. That, that just doesn't seem to be the, uh, the, the right path for me. I And then once I was 
you know, said I'm going to college. I can remember I had to get evaluated for having a learning disability again to get funding. Yes. Oh, my God. And, <laughs> uh, you know, all over there. again, we'll go through the abuse, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I can remember a psychiatrist that told me, you're most likely not going to go beyond community college. And I, I mean, that was really limiting. And then I get to college and I had a professor that told me, well, you're going to have limited job choices because of this. Oh, wow. And uh, people didn't really think that uh, accommodations were necessary and or they gave me an unfair advantage. So I thought, oh, I'm not going to use them. That wasn't my smartest move that I ever made. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you know what? You you build strength as well when you take those kinds of paths. Right, right. Exactly. So a lot of times whenever they would have me get evaluated for a learning disability, and I had to do this several times as an adult, it was always the same thing. This is what you have, and this is what you're not going to be able to do. And it really, that was really difficult from a lot of times when people would tell me that. I and, so, and for a while, I believed, oh, I can't do that. And I wasn't the most happy, most positive person. But it's when I, I hate to say not, I didn't listen to them, but <laughs> I found a different way to be able to do it how I wanted to. And I, that was one of the things that really worked for me. Yeah, I love that. And I think there are moments when you should just not listen to people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I doctors, I think, are very well-meaning, but oftentimes misguided and don't realize that a lot of times when they sit down and they go, oh, well, you've got this learning disability, you're never going to be able, and they tick off this list mm -hmm. of things, you won't be able to handle college math, you won't be able to, you know, get any job or or whatever it is that requires like thinking skills as opposed to manual skills. They're setting up this self-fulfilling prophecy for many people because a lot of people are not smart enough to go, I will do what I choose to do. <laughs> I'm not going to let your limitations subscribe what I, what I attack in life. And so you you said, well, not to say that I didn't listen to them, like that would be a bad thing. It was like, go girl, don't listen to them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because a lot of times, if you don't know that you can't, you will. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. So I know there's like an emotional journey that goes behind mm -hmm. this. What what was that emotional journey like when you first received the diagnosis and the limitations that, that the doctors wanted to paint around you? And how did you work your way through that? Sure. I think the first thing that, that was really emotional um, had to be that I was frustrated. That was the biggest thing because I would go in and I would try to do something and people were like, well, you got to try. And and I would try to do it and I still wouldn't be successful. And that was, you know, really defeating. And I had to go, okay, we got to try it again. And just to keep on trying. And sometimes it was a lot of failures before I got to, uh, to, to being successful. So that was, yeah. you know, frustration was one. It was also a little Sounds like you were building your persistent <laughs> muscles a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's that's definitely something my parents, you know, definitely encouraged to go in and um, be persistent and okay, maybe you're not you're not going to do well on the test. We studied and you know, said I still had to go to school, still had to take that test. I yeah. if I was having problems with the peer my parents said, okay, well, you're going to go in and you still have to go there. Cause I mean, it was academic and it was also social. That was a really a, a big struggle. And, and I think it was almost envy with my peers too, in a sense, because school seemed to be so much easier for them academically and, yeah. and socially. And so, I mean, it was a lot of, um, a lot of feelings and I didn't have a lot of confidence too in myself. Mm. I didn't think that I was um, smart enough or capable enough to handle a lot of things. And um, I just, yeah, I thought it was always going to be that difficult. Yeah. At what point did it start to unfold that it's like, oh, well, maybe there are angles I can approach this from that get me greater success. Tell us a little bit about how that started to show up for you. 
Well, one of the things early on, uh, I really always gravitated towards reading and writing. I can remember my dad always reading these stories every night. And they noticed that I had a really great fluency. I had a lot of expression in my classes. I just had, I just struggled maybe with some reading comprehension. So they, I was placed in more regular ed classes that I think that's one of the first things they started to uh, get me into uh, that was with my regular ed peers. I'm and, in the normal class. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> class for that. And then it came to science and social studies then. Um, but what, what really was that I started to love reading and writing. And I remember I wrote my first story. It was about a dinosaur. And I had other books that I uh, wrote up to. I, I made out of wrapping paper. And, when I was <laughs> and I can remember my dad read it. And he said, this is pretty good. And that gave me that confidence. Oh, I'm good at something. I, <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Exactly. It gave me that confidence that, so I started writing and I began reading a lot and that really started to turn things that this is something I could do. And I, I gravitated towards that. And then I also figured out when I, I, I was in more regular classes that I could handle doing anything as long as it wasn't math or science. Those two were not my friends. <laughs> uh, and I, was getting decent grades in high school. I was on honor roll and uh, with, with having the supports as well. Yeah. Um, so I, I started to see, okay, there are things that I can do. And that that's sort of the change. And then when I finally, when I graduated from college, I thought, oh, I got my bachelor's degree. This is something I was told I couldn't do. And that started to give me that confidence that I can have when I'm at my job. And I work with kids that have disabilities. And I can really emphasize uh, where, where they've come from in, in their journey. Yeah, I love that, <clears throat> and I love the, I love the lesson that I'm hearing come forward from this, which is when you have a different, a differently abled person in your life, whether it's a child or a friend or whomever it is. It's critically important to focus on the things they do well. Yes. Focus on the things they do well. Put the emphasis on that and the encouragement there. I I think that's a huge tool because so many of us focus on the negative and well, I know you have trouble with this, so let me, you know, whatever for you, um, which is great. I mean, it's wonderful to have that kind of help and support, but to make that kind of a casual, oh, here, I'll help you with that, but really focus on the amazing things that they bring into your world and into your life that they're good at. Right, because everybody has something that they're good at and good um, you know, talents and strengths. And it's just so important to be able to see that. And that's one of the things I love doing with the students that I'll work with. Uh, sometimes I'll say, oh, that's a really nice picture that you drew. And they, they'll show me their work after I, if I tell them that and, and encourage them to say, oh, you're really good at uh, sports or you're good at uh, things like or music or just all those things and just looking for those things just to give them that, that little boost and because uh, a lot can lead from that place. Yeah, absolutely. So I know you had a lot of, of early prognoses that said, well, she's not going to go get a bachelor's degree. This isn't going to be within her scope. When you decided to go down that road, was there anyone that encouraged you in that? Or was, were all of them pretty much naysayers and you were just like, I'm going to show them? <laughs> <laughs> I remember I had a student teacher right before I, I graduated and she said, you can go to college because oh. you know how to study and, and you know how to how to work. And I thought I was so surprised. I'm like, oh, I didn't think I was college material. And she, I said, well, I have a disability. How can I have a learning disability and go to college? And she said, well, there's students that my school that have disabilities. They're in those classes. They can handle them. You can do it. And I don't remember that woman's name, but sometimes that I, I can just hear that playing um, in, in my life when, especially when it was really hard at school, I could just hear that voice and but okay, I can do this. I also had uh, some support like with friend, family and friends 
Um, I couldn't have done it without them, especially a lot of times friends too, because uh, they couldn't fix the learning disability. They couldn't uh, change my grade, but they could be a friend to me. And just sometimes that was really helpful with having that. Yeah, just just having the encouragement and the place you can go when you've had a bad day. <laughs> They're yeah. like, yeah, it's okay. You can have a bad day. Here's my shoulder and go get them tomorrow. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah, I love that. Well, we're up on our first break already. Can you believe this? <laughs> Uh, so what I'd like to do is invite you, everyone who's joined us, grab your pen, grab your piece of paper, because oftentimes we get into like this self-help mode where we're like, oh, well, I'm no good at this and I'm a terrible organizer and I don't, whatever it is. I would like you to take your pen and paper and spend some time around the stuff that you are good at, the things that people have complimented you for, even the ones in your mind that you're like, oh, well, they're just being nice saying that. I want you to write it down anyway, because people are not nearly as nice as you believe they are. <laughs> So it is likely accurate information, even though you discounted it. And hang with us. We'll be right back from the break. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Hey, beautiful soul, Sophia Renea Morales here. I've been doing Sovereign Self for over a year now, and I would like to hear from you. Tell me what you want to hear in coming shows. Go to tellzofia, that's T-E-L-L-Z-O-F-I-A.com. Drop me a quick note and let me know. How has this show supported you? Where should we go next? Or are you perfectly content with where we're going at the moment? That's tellzofia.com. Your opinion is critical in informing where I take the show next. Thank you so much and live soul first. Say It Skillfully is my radio show about being who you are and saying what you think needs to be said. This is your host, Molly Chang. I'll help you find the right words to tackle any challenging conversation you've been avoiding. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. You'll learn how to achieve success on your terms and be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in your life. Check out sayitskillfully.com for practical resources, including my 90-second videos, real-life examples showing you how to speak up skillfully. I invite you to call in with your questions. Join me live every Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. And no, I'm cheering for you. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. You are listening to Sovereign Self with Sophia Renea Morales. We'd love to hear from you on the show today. Call in to 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or if you'd prefer, send an email to asksophia at transformationspace.co. Now, back to Sovereign Self. Thanks for hanging in with us through the break. This is Sophia Renea Morales, and I'm still here with the amazing and wonderful Michelle Steiner. And before the break, you were telling us about some of your educational struggles and the things that, that they'd said you couldn't do that ultimately you went out and did. What role did your connection with God, with the divine play in this journey of uh, gaining acceptance around what you were and were not able to do and being able to push those boundaries? Well, I can remember God was definitely uh, very important in my life and faith was. My parents uh, really put a seed in me with that. I was raised Catholic. Um, we go to an interdenominational church now, but they, my parents always emphasized that. And I, I just can't thank them enough for, for, for doing that for me. And we were also very accepting of other uh, uh, religion and denominations and that. So that was always important, too. Uh, but I can remember when I was young, I knew God was with me, 
but I didn't know how this was all going to work out Yeah, uh, to help because I thought life is always going to be really hard. And I just didn't see um, a, a plan or a purpose for having all that. I couldn't see it at that point. But then as it evolved, I started to see, oh, God is working out a lot of these things for my good. And it's not only for my good, but it's going to be there to help out other people in life. Yeah. Give me an example of one of those early moments where it's like, oh, oh, this might not be all bad. (laughs) (laughs) I can remember whenever I was at my job and all the kids know, and I work as a teacher's aide, don't ask me to help you with math. I am not good at it. And the students (laughs) come up with something and I couldn't help them with it. And I kind of was getting a little sad, like, oh, why am I here? And a little discouraged, like I can't even help them. And I asked that question and it it was answered very quickly. I had someone that came up to me and I got to help them with something that I could do. I can't remember if it was reading a test or helping with an assignment that I was able to do. And whenever that person left, I can just remember saying, hearing a voice saying, see, this is why I have you here. It's not to teach the math. It's not to do this, but I I called you to, to do this for this purpose. And I just saw a lot of that just coming together. That's beautiful. And I, I love that you asked, what, what do I want to call it? A supportive and open pull me forward kind of question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because the universe will ask whatever will answer whatever questions we ask and whether it's one that pulls you backwards or pulls you forwards. And I love that you asked that pull me for why, why am I here? And yeah, beautiful that you got that answer like almost straight away. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I love that. What are some other ways you've, you've noticed the divine uh, move in and through your world to show you, yes, you can do this and give you that encouragement. I think a lot of it is um, just doors that were open that I couldn't have done without having that. I, I know with especially going back to school, I had some resistance with some of the social agencies that I was with. Some of them said, well, you already have an associate's degree. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, I, I realized that. And they're like, well, you may not get funding for this. And I said, well, that's okay. I'm already signed up. And, and sure enough, um, not being at the job that I was at with the downsizing, that gave me the opportunity to study and to be able to get all the accommodations I needed. Didn't have to be focusing on a job. That was an opening. And then I also found the right program that involved the least amount of math and science possible. Yes. And, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it had accommodations on campus and that was true. And I was able to graduate debt-free with getting my bachelor's degree. And that opportunity- That's a huge, huge thing right there. Yep. And it's just everything fell into place. And if I didn't have the disability, uh, that wouldn't have happened for me. Or if I didn't have the the time and just it was a, a time in my life where this is what was meant to happen. Yeah, I I love that because oftentimes when we're going through one of these shifts, I know I've been guilty of this in the past. We forget that we have to kind of let go of what we're holding on to to make the space for the new thing. And so the fact that you were downsized out of your job, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people, understandably, the first reaction is, oh, my God. You know, how is this going to work out? This is terrible. I needed the money for X, Y, and Z. And when you have that connection to the divine, it's easier, I think, to start to go, well, it's going to be okay. (laughs) And then to be able to step into that curiosity of, well, where is the blessing here? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Where Where is the blessing at? Because it was difficult. I had to also, like when the job downsized, I'm, for financial reasons, I moved back with my parents. And I was kind of wondering at that point, okay, where is this going? And once again, I asked the question and I, I received the answer. Yeah, that is wonderful. So what did you get your bachelor's degree in? 
It is a community programming for Americans with disabilities. Uh, they call nice. it transition specialists now. But what they do is they it's a service and a special ed. So we work, uh, some people are case managers, some people are house parents uh, for group homes. Other ones um, do, do uh, paraeducator work that I do. And it gave me... Um, an opportunity just to be able to understand my own disability, but also the different disabilities that, that are out there and just ways to help other people. That is awesome. I love that. It, you know, when we have a calling in this life, there's always a way to get there. Mm -hmm. And yep. I love that you found your way through to it. So what role has having this disability played in your spiritual development? I think in my spiritual development, it has showed me that uh, God still has a purpose for me, even though I have a disability. I can remember uh, hearing someone uh, at a baptism that I went to that uh, God had, you know, everything is ordained and that there's a purpose in their life and I and there's a good plan. And I wonder, well, where is my good plan? And I was in my early 20s. Yeah, it's and like, then, they got one, where's mine? <laughs> right. <laughs> and yeah, and I can remember asking that. And I thought, well, I have a disability. I can't do so much. There's, there's things that I can't do. And it just is slowly though, God worked out that, okay, yes, I created you with this disability, but I also created you with a purpose and a plan along with it. And I think it was just looking at that and, and saying, all right, I, I understand now that there is, there is a reason for this. Yeah, that's beautiful. So I know sometimes there are these singular moments where it's like, the dime drops. It's like, this is the reason that I'm no good at math and science. This is the reason that I'm amazingly gifted in writing and communicating. Did you have one of those moments? Definitely. I can remember every single time that I got into a math class or not, or just a class that involved like testing and didn't do a lot of reading and writing. I knew I was setting myself up for failure. And I can remember people didn't understand that. How can you get a C in this class? It wasn't a lot of work, but for me, it was. And yeah. I learned that going into a class to think, all right, um, maybe not just what the professor was like, but also well, what kind of work are they doing or even a job? Because yeah. if it's going to be something that, is going to be uh, very much detail-oriented, very task-oriented, where everything has to kind of be a certain way. Um, that's probably just not going to be the job that I'm going to be able to do. But if it's something uh, that involves people and there's just there's just ways, to, to, you know, and things like that, I know that I have a better shot at um, doing the job. And doing it amazingly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> in ways that people who get lost in those nitpicky details can't do. Right, exactly. <laughs> you have an advantage. <laughs> right. And I was learning to look into my the situation and being realistic with that too. Because a lot of times people would say, oh, why don't you go work at uh, fast food? Because it's easy. And I'm thinking, well, it might be easy for some people. But, for, but you've got to run that damn register. Yeah, yeah no. Uh -uh. <laughs> or stocking shelves or just something like that. And I'm thinking that just does not seem like a job that I can do. But yeah, and people don't consider a lot of that. Yeah, well, and there's a lot that goes with stocking shelves that has nothing to do with I'm taking it out of the box and putting it on the shelf. There's a lot yeah. of detail behind that yeah, that people don't even think about. Right. And it was learning... Uh, just what I wanted and what I, what I needed to, and just kind of going into the jobs. And um, they always say too, that when you go in for an interview, you're, you're interviewing the company and there is a way to that, you know, I kind of look at and see uh, if this is going to be a good fit for me. As well. Exactly. Well, and I think you're probably interviewing the company more than the average person. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> most of us are like, yeah, I can deal with whatever it is. You're like, oh, no, I need a certain kind of company. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, I love that. So who are some of the people who were most uh, pivotal in helping you form this view of being abled? Uh, 
as opposed to being disabled? I think a lot, I, I give a lot of credit to my parents because they never gave up on me. They advocated for me and they always encouraged me. I didn't have to have perfect grades, but I certainly had to try. So they, that, that was the first thing that really helped me out. Yeah. And it sounds like they gave you some real good lessons in perseverance and diligence of application of effort. Exactly. Yes. yes, I had. Yep, I had to try, and we had we worked through a lot of it. Sometimes tearful homework sessions, but uh, we we got to where we needed to be. Uh, and I credit a lot to them with that, and uh, you know, determination. I think a lot of times family and friends friends are definitely something that was important to be able to um, just being my friend and just kind of shaping me as a person and uh, offering that encouragement. Sometimes that that's helpful too. And, and just definitely getting that power from the from God, just definitely having that, that strength for what I couldn't do. Um, that was all right because uh, there was other things I was able to do and somebody else could carry the, the things that I can't do. Yeah. What was kind of your experience in building that network of support, the friends and, and the broader community? I know sometimes that can be challenging for people. Yes, it was really challenging uh, for the peers that I went to high school with. Um, mm. We have 12 years together and you do develop a, a reputation and you understand the social um, hierarchy that, that goes into that. And it was a really small school that was conservative and they liked people that were inside their circle. And, and they didn't like people who weren't. Yeah, right. Exactly. And I, I really struggled socially from, from a young age. So and the bullying got worse as I got became a teenager. And one of the things that really helped was I started to hang out with some students that were in a neighboring school. Uh (laughs) Yep. And they were, it was an art program. I remember I wrote for a newsletter and I found other people that had the same interests and I didn't have that reputation that I had since kindergarten as being the outcast and the one that wasn't smart. And they uh, accepted me and I did tell them about having a disability. And um, it also encouraged me to reach out to other groups in the community uh, for other uh, things that I was interested in. And I went to a writing group uh, with, with older adults that were just a couple years older than I was at that age. And I found even more acceptance and I'm still friends with them 20, 20 some years later. So uh that was that definitely helped me to build community. Yeah, I think um, I think there's a message in there for parents around this. I know mm-hmm. I've had a similar uh, a similar experience in my grade school to high school arena, but on the other end because I was the curve wrecker, <laughs> and nobody wanted me in their group either. Uh, and I tried to tell my mother she would arrange like these parties and, well, we're going to invite all the girls at my school. I'm like, don't invite the mean girls to my party. I don't want a party. And she wouldn't hear that. She wouldn't accept that. And so I think really the larger message here to parents is if your child is is saying that they're being bullied in this sort of thing, Find them some activities that pull them outside of that environment so they can find an area in which they are supported and received and and cherished. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Because sometimes just being able to get away from that situation and helps out a lot, too. It's a fresh start. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're up on our second break already. (laughs) Isn't that exciting? So. What I would like to invite you to do, you've got your pen and your paper, you made a list over the last break of things that you're good at. And what I would invite you to do with that list is to write some affirmations about these things that you are good at and uh, direct them towards you're getting better at these things. These are becoming more natural. You're expressing these more fully in your life Um, because oftentimes we seek to develop our our weaknesses and shore those up 
But the things that really respond are when you develop the things you're good at, you develop your strengths. So I'd like to encourage you to write some affirmations, make them positive, make them present tense, make them progressive more and more every day in every way. I am becoming more outgoing. I am becoming more social. I am helping uh, more people. Whatever the thing is that you're looking to build within yourself and hang with us. We'll be right back from the break. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Hey, beautiful soul. Sophia Renea Morales here. I've been doing Sovereign Self for over a year now, and I would like to hear from you. Tell me what you want to hear in coming shows. Leave a quick voice message at 520-261-6827 and let me know, how has the show supported you? Where should we go next? Or are you perfectly content with where we're going at the moment? That number, 520-261-6827. Thank you so much for your feedback. It's crucial in informing where I take the show next. Thank you and go out and live soul first. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. A little birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. Follow us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to Sovereign Self with Sofia Renea Morales. We'd love to hear from you on the show today. Call in to 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or if you'd prefer, send an email to asksofia at transformationspace.co. Now, back to Sovereign Self. Thanks for hanging in with us through the break. This is Sophia Renea Morales, and I am still here with the amazing and wonderful Michelle Steiner. And I would like to invite you, I guess, if you were to go back in a time capsule or whatever, and you could talk to your younger self, maybe on that day that you got that first round of diagnosis that you were going to be different mm-hmm. and the limitations that came with that. If you could get into that time capsule, what would you tell your younger self? I would tell my younger self that everything is going to be okay and everything is going to work out because I just think that was probably the hardest thing was not being able to see ahead at that age. Yeah, yeah. So in terms of giving that younger self something practical and tactical that she could do, what would you have advised her to focus on? I would have advised her to focus on the things that she is good at. I'd advise her to pay attention that she's great at with reading and she's good at with writing and she's kind and she's, you know, passionate and and to just focus on those things. Beautiful. I love that. Are there any other points in your life where it would have been nice to have had a time capsule visit from your older self? (laughs) (laughs) I can look at, I think it would have been nice whenever I was younger and I was uh, dating with having a disability to realize whenever I was in a relationship that wasn't that great or somebody was saying, oh, I can't date you because you have a disability just let that part go because they weren't the people that I was meant to be with and that I um, was meant to meet my husband and that the person was going to come along and I, maybe I could have relaxed a little more during that time and just wouldn't have been so uh, caught up in that. Yeah. Were there prognoses that had been made around your ability to date? Um, it was not really a prognosis. Uh, it was more, I can remember, 
I was doing my internship and I had other people that were saying this, that weren't professionals. Like I right. had uh, a teacher that I worked with who was single and was pretty religious, which I mean, that that's fine if that's what works for you. For you. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, she was saying, well, you never know. You may not find somebody that you're going to uh, be able to, that'll want you with having a disability. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I was so young at that age that I was really worried about that and concerned. And I didn't know how to, uh, to, to understand, okay, that's somebody's perspective because that's where she's at. Yeah, exactly. She's speaking more from her own context. Yeah, exactly. From her own context. And I've also had other people during that that time that I can remember there was uh, someone who liked me who was older and had a disability, but I really didn't like him. And somebody else was kind of pushing that along like, hey, you re- that's a nice person. God's putting you on equal footing with having a disability. Oh, I'm like, God. <laughs> I know. And I was, thankfully, I was just saying, you know, you're a nice person, but I'm just really not interested in you in that way. Yeah. I had other people that they tried fixing me up. Another one with had a disability and they're like, well, wait a minute, you have a disability. Why are you rejecting that person? I'm like, it's because I don't, um, you know, have that connection with them. Yeah, exactly. Just because they have a disability doesn't mean I'm going to have chemistry here. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I had a lot of that. And then I can remember I was with a guy and when we were breaking up, he told me that he thought I could really drive if I wanted to. And he was tired of taking me places. So, oh, you're sandbagging. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was like, oh, my gosh. And, and stuff just even directly told me I can't date someone that has a disability. And I could just remember hearing that and thinking, oh, am I going to be alone? And finally, I was after one relationship that just wasn't our, our date that wasn't going to work out really well. I, I just didn't there was just certain things that were going on. And I finally prayed and I said, God, I'm, I'm just tired of having all these things happen. Don't send me anybody until it's the right person. There you go. I love, I love that you drew that line because a lot of us never draw that line. I had a a friend who'd gone through a divorce Mm -hmm. and after the divorce, he and you have to think about what you ask for. He's like, just give me hope that there will be another person. And, you know, and so he had a number of one and two date kind of relationships that looked really promising and then clearly were not. And after, I don't know, six, eight months of that, he's like, all right, I've got plenty of hope now. <laughs> just send me the right person. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, that was the thing you, um, you, you want to, you have to get to that point where you're thinking, I can be happy by myself, or I can be happy with somebody too. And I I just did, I wanted it to be the right relationship. And uh, when I met my husband, it was nothing that I planned or could have predicted or planned. So tell me that story. How did you meet your husband? I met him when we were volunteering. I was volunteering at the art center in our area that night. And I was walking down the street on my way back and he saw me and he wondered, oh, who's that girl in the red dress? Where is she going? Mm-hmm. And it turns out he was going to the art center that night to play guitar. Oh. And he was so surprised when I went in. And then uh, it turns out that we had mutual friends. Oh, better yet. <laughs> and that summer he was in a transition between jobs. So he was visiting his family and he had the chance to um, hang out a lot, you know, come over to the arts. And we we got to know each other. We were friends. Uh, he was a little, everybody knew he liked me except for me. Well, that's usually how that goes. Everyone else gets the memo long before you do. <laughs> right. And he was very kind. I mean, but he was all, he's a little more shy. So it was trying to, yeah, to ask me out. He kept me guessing a little bit, but, um, you know, we, we knew that we were just meant to be together after that first date. And then when we look back on certain things, we were at certain places at the same time. 
but it was almost like we were blind to each other because we just weren't ready. The universe just wasn't ready to have us be together. And we had to go through things before that. But yeah, I, I, I couldn't have planned it. No. And that's the, the beautiful thing with those kinds of of divinely orchestrated events. It's like, you, there's no yeah. way you could have planned or predicted this, but it's perfect. Right, exactly. And then I look back and there were some, there were some things that were actually though, that were predicted that I didn't realize. Oh, um, do tell. <laughs> okay. At that art center, uh, there was a, a guy that asked me before that, a friend of mine, he said, are you seeing anybody? And I'm like, no, I'm really not seeing anybody right now. And he goes, um, he he was married and he said, well, you never know. He goes, you might meet someone at a place like this. And that was at the art center. Ah, that the, the exact same place we met. <laughs> and I told him that he goes, I'm usually good, but I didn't think I was that good. So <laughs> the wedding day. That was another thing that was a dream that a friend of mine had. Uh, he called me up and said, Michelle, I had this dream of of you and you um you were in a, a vintage wedding dress which I knew was a given because I that was definitely always my style and he said I don't know who the guy was with and you were right in front of the courthouse and I thought oh okay that's that, that's nice I'm like why would I get pictures in front of the courthouse and <sighs> sure enough the where we, we've had our reception at the art center and the courthouse is in our in our town is really close to that and the photographer took us up for a walk in the park. And when we got the pictures back, the courthouse was, was in the background. It's in the background. <laughs> so there were little signs, but I just didn't know um, what they were at that at that time. That's wonderful. I love that. So we're getting down to like the last few minutes of this show here. Uh, what are the words of wisdom that you would give to a parent, for example, who perhaps has a child who's been diagnosed with something that makes them different, or someone who's been raised that way and hasn't yet seen their own abilities because of the emphasis that's been placed on what they can't do? I would tell a parent not to give up on their child and to look for the strength that each of their child possesses and to build upon that. I love that. And the person who's right now trying to find out what their giftedness is. I would just encourage them to keep trying things that, that they like and they enjoy and um, to, just to keep on uh, pursuing that. Yeah. Find a, find a new way to, mm -hmm. to become involved. I, I know a lot of times, what do I want to say? we can do much more than we believe we can do and that other people think we can do. And mm -hmm. until you're in the situation of, you know what, I really want to do this thing, that's when you start solving the quote-unquote barriers to you doing that thing. I, I remember recently that there was a, a blind person who decided they wanted to trek, I think it was to the North Pole. <laughs> and wow. they found a way to get mm -hmm. the support, the, the equipment they need, and the people around them to allow them to do that. So yeah. it's, it's not out of the question. It just takes a little bit more cleverness to yeah. figure out how you get there. It, exactly. Yeah. And just some creative problem solving too. And yeah. And it doesn't always even have to be your cleverness. There are many people around you who are willing to help you solve these problems. Exactly. Yep. Love that. Yay. So I know you're working on a blog. Tell us a little bit about what people can find at your blog. At my blog, Michelle's Mission, I combine my love of photography and writing together. I try to put a lot of nature metaphors where I explain what life is like with a learning disability in simple ways that people can understand it. I also put my photography because that's another uh unexpected gift that came out of having a learning disability, uh, people will often say, you bring out details in a flower that I, I don't, um, others might miss. And yeah. I get that opportunity because I can't drive because of my disability. So I'll be in the car and I'll ask my husband, I'll be like, honey, did you see that? And he's like, I'm focused on the road. And <laughs> I, I get 
the chance to go back and take that picture, um, take a picture of a flower if I'm walking. And that that's one of the blessings. And I put a lot of those on um, my blog as well. Yeah, that's, that's true. I think it's one of the things that, what I want to say, the, the abled, the fully abled uh, people miss out on many times is they don't realize because they are abled in so many different directions, uh, that they miss the depth that can be found. Yep. Because they're just too scattered and, and trying to do too many things at the same time. And too busy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Beautiful. And uh, so I will be putting the link for your blog in the show notes here. So check below the show if you would like to check out Michelle's blog or to get in touch with her. Um, so we're down to the last couple minutes here. What would be your final words of wisdom? What is it that you have taken away from your journey that sharing with someone else might find valuable? What I would tell people, though, is that things do work out and that there's hope and, you know, that, that the pain that they're going uh, through is something that can um, help them uh, to be able to go on to the, the next uh, thing in their life. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love that. Thank you so much for joining me here today, Michelle. It's been such a pleasure. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I certainly appreciate it. Yes. And thank you to everyone who joined us today. Um, I really appreciate you. I do this show for you to give you hope and light and encouragement in your world when it's dark and to have joy and celebrate with you on the days that it's light and wonderful and magical. And my whole objective here is to bring more of that light and hope and magic into the world. I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what you thought of this show. You can send me an email at askzofia, A-S-K-Z-O-F-I-A, at transformationspace.co. Uh, and I'd, I'd like to hear whatever is on your heart. If you loved it, if you hated it, if you've got suggestions for other topics you'd like to see, if you'd like to see more of this topic, all of your comments and reactions are welcome. And until next week, go out and live soul first. Thank you for being a part of our program this week. Sovereign Self can be heard live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Please join host Sophia Renea Morales again next week right here 